Hello, welcome to Process. My name's Stephen Walsh. Today, we're going to be talking to Tilly Walden. Hello, Tilly. Hello, thank you for having me. You're in London at the moment to promote your new book from Avery Hill Publishing. What's the book called? The book is called The End of Summer. Do you want to give people a little pricey, a little overview about the book? A little taste, yeah. So The End of Summer is uh, about a boy named Lars and uh, his experiences with his family while they are trapped in their large mansion uh, for a very long winter. And it's uh, it's narrated by Lars and it you know, you see it from his perspective, and it's about him and his very large cat Nemo, it's about his relationship with his twin sister and his parents and his brothers, and uh, and it, it follows the family as uh, tensions simmer and things begin to go wrong. Yeah, they're locked in, and they're it trapped. doesn't go well, does it? it doesn't it, go you well. know, That's not a spoiler. it's not <laughs> a happy story, I'll go ahead and say. And I will also say that it was originally much sadder before my editor, Ricky Miller, at Avery Hill Publishing, was like, you just have to take some of this out because this is too much. You're allowed to break their hearts, but what you plan to do here is like take their hearts out and just I, hit it yeah, with a hammer was, for an hour. It was a little much, and, and it was great having Ricky to rein me in. Having read it, yeah. as I say, it's pretty heartbreaking. It's, yeah. Anyway, let's, yeah. Not, let's not talk about the path uh, not taken. <laughs> to just go back to your life in comics generally, when yeah. you were growing up, I'm assuming comics were part of the household, part of your life? You know, only a very small amount, actually. I I didn't, I wasn't, you know, I didn't, like, go to comic shops as a kid or have friends who read comics. It was more that every now and then we'd go to this used bookstore in my town in New Jersey, and my dad would find books for me, and he usually found Tezuka books. And so, you know, over my childhood, I just ended up having this collection of really nice books, and I hadn't really realized that I had been reading comics all this time. And I never, you know, I never had friends who, where we would read comics together. But so I had that in the background, but it was mostly that I did a lot of art. And so I did art as a little kid and ended up studying it in high school. And it wasn't until the end of high school that I realized I liked art and I had read all these comics and I, it was about time I started to like bring those two together. It just merged quite It naturally. merged, yeah. And it, it wasn't... I didn't like, you know, draw some comics on the side. When I when I made the first comic, I sat down and did it, and then that was it. I didn't, so you'd never I didn't sort stop. of like doodled or, or mess around no. with things as a kid in terms of no, I so didn't. What form of art were we doing before? Just before, sort of illustrations. It was it was actually like pretty serious fine art. I did a lot of sculpture and printmaking, um, and a lot of like portraiture. It was all very like the the goal in high school was to learn to to draw and paint and do everything very technically well and draw very realistically and all that. So by the time I I started doing comics, I had you know, like a large skill set behind me. But I was also I I got very sick of fine art. I didn't like doing portraiture or and that kind of stuff. I I just found it boring. And I started to sort of hate art and comics felt like this new way to see art for me. Well, one of the things I love about comics is how open it is as a medium in yeah. terms of what you can do, the form of, of the thing itself. And it's something that you really explore a lot in the book, I think. You, Definitely. You you can sort of see, um, you having said that about having the fine art background, the, the, the meticulous detail in the backgrounds and the sort of lush look of the book itself, yeah. you know, really shows that off. But at the same time, there is a real engagement with a form and experimentation mm. that I think just elevates it and makes it tremendous. Thank you. Yeah, I think 
it all came to me in like a big flood because I, I realized when I was about 17 how much I loved the comics I read as a kid. I loved Tintin, I loved everything by Tezuka, especially his darker stuff like M.W. and Ode to Kirihito. And, and I loved, you know, one of my favorites, favorite books is uh, Stitches by David Small. I just, I realized how much I loved this form and yeah, I felt, yeah, I really wanted to get into it seriously. Yeah, having said that about Tezuka and mm. me thinking about the book again, that that really does come across. There is this, does it? Yeah. There's, there's this huge dark undercurrent yeah. um, to the whole thing, which is a very it does have now that you say it a very sort of Japanese manga sensibility. Yeah, where, you know, someone were, I was talking to someone about it the other day, and we were talking about the traditional structure of stories mm. and how you know in, in Western ideas it's very much a, the, the traditional free act thing and this resolution by the end, and usually yeah. things have improved or or you know been brought back to uh, uh, an equilibrium yeah but in japan there's a thing of things go bad then they get worse <laughs> then they get worse and then and if you're lucky they're just twice as worse as they were originally but it's still and then pretty they bad you. They you yeah that. and then it's just like and it's done and it's probably going to get worse after you finish reading this and the, and it, it's very refreshing to sort of see that in uh, you know, uh, a Western book to sort of yeah. have that sort of sensibility come across. Yeah, because I don't, I don't really draw in a manga style, and I really liked, I liked manga too as a kid. I liked Dragon Ball and Hunter x Hunter uh, by Yoshihiro Togashi. But I do, I do rem- remember reading specifically the book M.W. by Tezuka, and there were parts of it that were just so dark and so upsetting. I remember just like my stomach hurt as I read it, and I don't know why, but now I look upon those memories like with fondness. I'm like, oh, I want to make people's stomachs hurt. Absolutely, because it's a response. It was. It, it was very real. It yeah, felt... it's very easy to sort of read things and have it just float over you. And you're like, yeah, that was mm. okay, I suppose. But yeah. something, even if it's painful, is memorable and sticks with you and it is. haunts you. And that, But haunts you in a good way. Where, And as I say, again, I think that's something that your book does. Where yeah. there are things that, that stay with you afterwards. And it's the sort of book you can read and reread. And even when you can sort of have a knowledge of the things that are being foreshadowed Mm -hmm. it still has an impact but can have an impact in a different way where the tragedy can really sort of yeah strike you i really like when specific images of a comic stay with you Mm. that's that's really important for me and i think that's why i think a lot about page turns and when you turn a page and there's been like lots of panels on the previous page and you turn the page and it opens up and it's a big moment and that Whenever I've read books like that, those moments I can still see in my head, and I always try to do that. Well, there's a couple comments. of tremendous splashes in your book. Uh, there a, are a scene yes. in the pool, um, yeah, the the, the uh, ball pit as well, and and play area. Yeah. Also, your your sort of panel balance across the page is something that I think was particularly effective. Where oh really? Yeah, yeah. You've as you say, you, you, I can see you appreciating the mechanic of the page turn, but also the composition of the page itself, where yeah. it, it really obviously controlling the tempo. But I think it really sort of emphasised the fact that you've got them enclosed, but enclosed in this huge space, mm. which is a great sort of tension where yeah. they're trapped, but it seems almost like trapped in, in an infinite space. Yeah, that's that's what I actually enjoyed about this story and drawing it is because they, it, it felt very claustrophobic at times, but because they live in such a sprawling place, there was a lot of room for me to just open it up and let them play in the space that they're in. I don't even know. I, I like. There's no floor plan for this place. I didn't design anything of it. I, I just made it up as I drew it. But that's the great thing, isn't it? As opposed to other media, like if you were doing it in a novel, you can you know heavily imply it. But to get that scale across, yeah. the immediacy of an image, yeah. is is so strong. And similarly, if you're doing it in film, 
Mm. Animation would be close, but if yeah. you're trying to do it in non-animated feature film, mm. you've got to build that set. You've got you to do. sort of work. Yeah. And then even if you don't necessarily have to have it laid out as a functioning house, it's still got a function as a space to, that you can build. Whereas with comics, yeah. it's uh, uh, the, the freedom to play with architecture is just there, isn't it? It yeah. is. And, and I, I love architecture and I love... I'm, I'm still such a kid I love like playing and running around spaces so especially drawing this you know the the main character characters are 11 years old in the beginning and they I was just I remember when I got to the page where I had to draw their playroom and I was like I'm just gonna draw the playroom that I always wanted and and it was so much fun just you know swings ball pit oh there's a (laughs) tunnel system by the way uh a playground that looks like a house within a house just you know let's you can imagine right. a set designer being handed. Uh, the oh my god! Going, it wouldn't work. There's a tunnel. They hate me. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like, that's... where in the house would that be? <laughs> also, there's so many windows where it's like I don't think there should be a window there, but uh, so there is. And in your other work as well, yeah, which I've seen online. Again, scale seems to be something you really enjoy playing with. Like definitely. Um, and again, scale where you're working with impossibilities in terms of the space that people yes. are moving in, the figures themselves, you know, larger sometimes, you know, beyond any sort of uh, yeah. possibility. And again, that opens up story possibilities and visual possibilities. Definitely. Yes, yeah, scale, I I find I, I really love uh, feeling small. Like I love being in giant places and just feeling totally tiny because I find I can, in those moments, I can really take in what's around me. So it's something I constant, like it's a feeling I constantly search for in comics to, to get that, that feeling of smallness, but also feeling big because it's, you know, it's about you. I watched a lot of Ghibli movies, Studio Ghibli movies growing up, and, and I, what, what I really took from them is this, that every emotion in it, in all those movies felt very real to me, and I could really connect to them, yet the worlds were whatever they wanted. They felt just kind of magical, and I don't typically like a lot of fantasy stuff. I don't like when everything feels totally disconnected, or like dragons and and all that. It's not really my thing. But um, but what I what I got from the Ghibli movies was this sense of like just you know this real place. These are real families. They're you know real problems. Yet you know like in the movie Castle in the Sky. Yet there's a castle in the sky. <laughs> you know that's not real. Yeah. But uh, so I think that was a huge influence on this book specifically. And there's, uh, I think, a, a nice thread in fantasy that can, you can tap into. And there's another moment in this book as well where there's a facade of normalcy, but all it takes yes. is a tiny little scratch and things behind it start to seep through. Completely. And everything collapses. <laughs> Completely, yeah. And I'm, I'm all about all the problems coming together at once because I feel like in my life, and in probably many people's lives, I feel like things tend to fall apart in clumps. I never, you know, I never have a year where all the bad things that happen are really spread out evenly. That just, that just doesn't happen. And so, and, and so I, I use that and I also love playing with tempo. And so I use the, the mixing of problems and tempo to kind of create those big moments. Well, there's um, parts later in the book where in terms of the tempo mm. and the, the problems combined, the, the, the panels are alternating between um, yes. so many different scenes. And it's really admirable, your sort of grasp on it, because it's the sort oh, of thing that I think could very easily sort of become incoherent. But yeah. as I say again, um, the, the sort of layout of the panels helps and mm. your, your grasp on story and character um, right. really sort of like hold it all together. It was a really sort of bold thing to do, I think, particularly for a, a, a debut. Was that something that was 
encouraged by your editors or was it something that you just had you were given not, free reign to do not so much i mean they you know the guys at avery hill and ricky my editor were you know gonna let me do whatever it was that i wanted to do but when it came to those parts and i actually ended up redoing a lot of that because the first time i did it around it was still very confusing but i it, it was it was a bit ambitious and as i was drawing it i felt a little overwhelmed and unsure if it would actually be successful but i i sort of made a rule for myself that when you're switching between panels and different storylines you just have to you know look at each storyline and boil down exactly what's important in that nothing extra and that's why in those bits of the book the art gets a lot simpler and a lot of the backgrounds just sort of drop off because i don't think that's even necessary in that part. It's no, at just, that point we're focused yeah, on the characters. We're focused on the characters, we're focused on the story, we're just... And, you know, before then, I've, I've convinced you of my world, or I've, I've the drawn world it. Is built. Yeah, the, the world, world is built, so yeah. you, know, you know exactly where they are. But it was, it was hard. It was, it was very difficult. And plus, I don't, I don't really plan stuff uh, <laughs> very much. So I, I remember there's a part where you've got a bunch of different storylines going on in each panel, and then on top of that, there's, like, this mythology yes. dialogue yeah. going on. And I was doing that panel by panel so i would draw the panel and write the mythology and then i have to figure out what the next line was and which panel the next story was going to be so it wasn't i didn't really have much of a, a big map i just had like it needs to be finished by this page <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was a little tricky but i love my favorite feeling in comics is when i'm sitting at my desk and i was i was working on those pages and i just something clicks and suddenly this mythology line with this image, it's like that works and it, it lands right on the right beat. Yeah. And uh, and then I can go to sleep happy. <laughs> well, the, the pace of it, again, was tremendous. It was, there's a sort of dizzying quality to it, which is perfect yeah. for that point in the book. You know, the characters are disorientated. Yes, he he's to, dizzy. <laughs> yeah, you, you, but you manage to elicit that in the reader in a really oh, good wow. way where... That you know, you've got the the surreal idea of this mythology, this story that he's he's telling on top of yeah. that, but also this sort of visual bombardment, but done in a very sort of carefully placed way yes. of, of these varying images. But yeah, it was um, a real uh, exciting thing. It, it's interesting you said that about it. Never occurred to me about the sort of the backgrounds fading out through the book, but they do. They, yeah, it really does. They, be, it, they the, do. They sort of move in a lot closer as the drama in, increases. Yeah, and I also increase the amount of spot black usually in those parts because I find the more sort of graphic those moments are, the, the easier it is for the reader to move quickly yeah. through those parts. And I want the reader to be able, as you know, the tempo of the story speeds up, to be able to read faster. Right. And I felt like if I had these ornate castles in the background, it it kind of pulls you back in a way, or you feel like you're missing more. And with this, if you got just a person and some solid black and yeah. some dialogue, it you can quickly get to the big parts. And then when it comes to the big part, I'll sit down and do a giant background, <laughs> you know, that whole big moment. But again, the spot black helps with the tempo as well, doesn't it? There is a thing yeah. when you're reading, it does, you know, hit the beats and, and, and guide the eye so, yes. so well in a, a really subliminal way. You know, it's a thing... Right. You, you know, you'll see in comics from time to time when people like drawing arrows to sort of show you where to go next. You're like, spot yeah. your blacks. You can, yeah, exactly. You can do this in a, yeah. in a way that's built into the story. And yeah, as I say, uh, you have uh, a tremendous appreciation of form. Thank you. Yeah, I I think you can tell when I when I started the book, I was unsure of how I wanted to use spot black in it. I, I knew I wanted it in there because just line work and wash felt too light for this story. But as, and I think it actually suits the story that as I kept drawing it, I got more confident with the black. And so it, you know, and the story gets bleaker. So it gets, <laughs> you know, blacker as it goes, as it goes in. 
What sort of materials would you use normally in terms of getting these effects? Yeah, I I use a, a big mishmash of a lot of stuff. I don't have an allegiance to like a specific pen, um, but I it's all traditional for me, and I do everything on the same page because I can't use light boxes; they're too bright. Uh, they hurt my face. Uh, but so I I have uh, 11 by 14 mixed media paper, and I I pencil really lightly with uh, a Pentel mechanical pencil. And then when it comes to inking, I use a combination of Faber-Castell pens, Uni pens, Copic pens, and maybe a Micron thrown in there every now and then, and then uh, brush uh, for the solid black and for the ink wash. So my I have this weird system of taping pens so next to my desk i have this pile of pens all each pen has a different like multicolored tape on it right right right. because different pens have been used different amounts right and so for the really like new ones i'll draw like the people and the bold parts but then for the uh the, the backgrounds i'll use a more used up pen uh, mostly because I, I, I'm making up the background as I go and I get a little scared sometimes when I start. <laughs> so I like to use a thinner pen so I feel like I can like, That's go That's a back. really smart system though because yeah. there are times you'll need the sharpest line possible. It's so true. you need to know. It's true. And some of my pens have like four, it'll have like red, orange, green, blue. And I know that's like, that's the newest one <laughs> right there. <laughs> and then I have, I have brush pens too that I use. So you're working entirely physically in terms of uh, producing your art. Yes, completely. I I I am I'm bad with technology and I'm I'm bad with computers and I I love drawing by hand. I find it very peaceful to do. You scan obviously to create your files to to send. I off. do, and actually, it's sort of unfortunate that I don't uh, do my line art, and my wash on separate pages because then I can't have a you know a bitmap line art and uh, and the wash separately, and then combine it for the sharpest possible image. But yeah, I just I scan it and darken it a little bit in Photoshop. And I was going to say, do you do anything in Photoshop? I, but it's just adjusting. I, it's, I just darken it a little bit and send it off. You don't, you don't want to clean anything? You, 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 you're I determined didn't, to... I didn't do much cleaning because I was very careful with my wash. Yeah. And I actually... This, this is going to sound so arrogant, but when I'm drawing, I actually don't mess up very much. I draw very uh, purposefully. And if I start a page and it doesn't look good, I'll just make a whole new page. Right. So I don't... I, there isn't a lot of like, oh, I did this other panel on this piece of paper and this one on this paper. Yeah, I'll put them together in Photoshop. Into... No, plus I also... I really like having originals that exactly... Emulate the book. Yeah. So I'm happy that I have that with this. You're studying at the moment. I am. I'm a student. I am in Vermont in a little town called White River Junction. uh, And I'm at the Center for Cartoon Studies, which is, if you don't know, a two-year MFA program for cartooning. But I'm not getting an MFA because I didn't go to college. Oh, right. I'm getting a certificate. Also, I would say you're getting uh, an incredible education. That's I am. The yeah, thing, that is the important part. It's it's the it's the program and it's my teachers. If people give you a diploma and then you sort of go, thanks. I know. I'm it's like, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah, I, exactly. Now that I have a diploma, I'll really make it in comics. <laughs> yeah, right. I was thinking. I was telling Ricky like as if someone's gonna like turn down my book because at the end they read I don't I didn't go to college. It's like, well, she's obviously uneducated. Oh, well, this is I can't. I can't read it. We're just tearing it up. We're just tearing it up. That's the sound you can hear. It's just just uneducated. (laughs) Plain and simple. It, uh, you know, obviously I've I've never been, but reading about it, it sounds like a remarkable sound. It's, you know, it's, it's still kind of mind blowing that it exists and that I go there. I've, I've just finished my first year, so I still have one year left. Um, and it's, you know, it's probably exactly what you think it is. It's it's a bunch of amazing cartoonists who are our teachers. Uh, James Sturm, Jason Lutz, Steve Bissett, John Chad, Luke Howard, and and then a bunch of cartoonists. And we all live in this tiny little town together. 
and every day, every week, we just we have class and we draw comics and we talk about comics and and it's it's perfect. It's it's a really good environment to work in. Uh, it being in a small town is sometimes hard for your social life, but you really just get to hunker down and, and that's draw what I comics. Imagine it's just immersion. Exactly, it's just and, like and that's that's comics. the perfect way I think to get better at comics because it just takes a lot of time and drawing a lot of comics. And that's exactly what we do here, is do there, is uh, just draw comics all the time. An amazing range of, of tutors to Yeah, to oh god, well. it's great, and it's it's really great not only for their knowledge, but just for their support. Is It just means, like, so much when you're, you know, having trouble with your comic. It means a lot that I can email James Sturm and go, you know, <laughs> sit with him in his studio for a while and just, you know, not cry, but, like, weep <laughs> about my comic and get advice, or, you know, it's... It's wonderful, and uh, and I've talked to a couple people. We're, we're already a little bit sad that we finished our first year and we only have one year left, because I would love to be there longer. To be fair, yeah. I would argue in this year you've made the most of your opportunities. In that yeah, I think so. you your first year. I did. And produced a book while you were there. I did. I didn't tell people your I was doing that, that at school. Doing. And so I imagine the nature of the institution you're in, there's a lot of making comics as part there of is. your... There is. So when I wasn't working on my book in these past couple of months, I was uh, working on my homework for school, which was comics. So I took a break from drawing comics by drawing comics, <laughs> which was, uh, you know, not the best way to take a break, but uh, yeah. Are the things on your website your work from college, or is that separate work again? That's mo- a lot of the stuff on my website is stuff I did from school. Yeah. Because, again, the range of styles and tones that you exhibit on there is fantastic. Oh, thank you. And I imagine, as you say, you know, you're joking, saying, I was working on this book, and then to take a break, I'd go and work on other comics. But there's such a a broad range of things on there. It must have been quite sort of, you know, keep you sharp in terms of having to rethink how you're doing things. Completely. And, yeah, as I drew, especially, like, the second half of the book, I was working on... A comic on my website called Sweet and Unknown, which is uh, about this giant purple statue and the statue's relationship with a young girl. And, and it's it's radically different from how my book looks. And I did that purposefully because I, I needed to be able to keep both comics going as I was drawing. And to do that, I had to feel interested in both. So I'd work on my book and get kind of tired of it and go to this other comic. And suddenly there's purple and there's this giant statue. And also just the scope of it as well. Your book is obviously these people in a house. Yes. And without giving away this strip, yeah. it's the world. It is, it's, yes, it's, that's it's, so true. It's landscape and it's Completely. open spaces. Uh, and uh, I did, I sort of thought while I was reading it, I was like, if she was working on this while she was working on the book, yes. this must have been like, Oh, skies! I can Thank God! Skies. No, I trees, had trees. completely. I was, I was really thinking like, oh my God, I get to draw clouds. Right. I'm going to draw clouds in this comic, and you know, I had never really drawn clouds before then because some I, good I just draw empty. Good clouds, Thank you. I just draw empty skies, and I told my friend, you know what? I'm going to draw some fucking clouds. We're going to do it. <laughs> uh, and and it was. You're right. You're completely right. I did that a little subconsciously, but yeah, I I wanted to expand. Yeah. For a little bit, stretch out after being trapped <laughs> in this book all winter long. So in terms of the other work on there, you've got things like gag strips and yeah. you know uh, autobiographical stuff. Yeah. So is that the sort of the shape of the curriculum? Is it them giving you assignments where it's like do a gag strip, work in this style? It is. It is. Yeah. The curriculum sort of starts in the it, they everyone, everyone calls the first year a boot camp, but it sort of starts having you draw in other people's styles. So like one of my first assignments was to make an autobiographical strip in the style of Windsor McKay, who did Little Nemo. 
And so that that was kind of mind-boggling that to do one, that. One of the first things they said was, "Can you draw something like Winsor McKay?" Yeah, well, ev- bad, each each student is assigned their own cartoonist, right? Oh, right. So, like, I have a friend who got Alison Bechtel, and a friend who did uh, po- like Pogo. Um, and when I got Winsor McKay, I like hit the table really hard because I was so excited. I love like, Winsor McKay. It leans into your natural style. Like, yes, again, completely, but, completely. You know, there are uh, a lot of moments in the end of summer where. You know, structurally and, and character design as well, there is a, a real sort of feeling. And you know, the cat's called Nemo. I mean, yeah. Oh, not... <laughs> and that's you know that is from Little Nemo. And you know what? I I think doing that assignment in school completely formed right. like uh, doing this book. But yeah, so so that's how the curriculum starts. And then you know you do gag strips and you do uh, an Aesop's fable. Oh, I should actually, I'm not supposed to give away too much. Oh, because it of the lets curriculum because yeah. it's yeah. But let's just say it starts. You do where lots you of do, different things. You do lots of different things, and then in the second semester, you really, that then you, you've drawn so much, and suddenly you feel so liberated, and you're so excited to draw your stuff in yeah. your style. Yeah, free hand. It's, it's, a great, uh, it's a great motivator, and so it really pushes you through the second semester. But yeah, just lots of assignments. And then we have, you know, you're drawing lots of comics, but you're also doing stuff, um, you know, we have a comics history class, we have figure drawing, we have uh, a class called, oh god, what's it called? John Chad's class. It's like uh, about Photoshop and InDesign and right. uh, book design, too. Right. We learn a lot about that, uh, how to make your own books and everything. So it is this holistic thing of you know, it concept and actual work and then post-production. Yeah, it's, it's every everything. Aspect. Well, every assignment, you have to make a book out of it right. and turn it in, which was one of the scariest things when I started there because I, I've always been okay just, you know, making my art, but then, like, scanning it and putting it in Photoshop was completely new to me. I had never done any of that, and it was a little terrifying. But again, what an insight to have in terms of oh, appreciating yeah. things like the mechanic of page turns. Of course, turns and, of course. Know. It, and, you know, just the fact, simple fact that they explained to me the importance of good lettering yeah. was, like, yeah, yeah. mind-blowing to me. And, you know, enough room uh, in your speech bubbles for the words to breathe. Nothing's going to make you appreciate bleed, like trying yes. to bring out something oh, that doesn't Oh, my have God. You, I, I appreciate it so much more now. You're like, oh, it's not optional. I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's a com- <laughs> So I needed all of those words it, to be on the page. <laughs> <laughs> some complicated InDesign setting. I hate InDesign. Not a fan. There was a moment in a recent DC comic, uh, yeah. Doctor Fate, where... Um, they gave Dr. Fate a very stylized font, sort of Egyptian-style oh, yeah. font, oh, to speak. And he was followed around by a cat called Puck. Oh, okay. And you can probably guess the unfortunate moment where uh, Dr. Fate, with his Egyptian-style lettering, says, Puck, what did you do to me? Oh, like, no. Oh, don't, no. You know, I see it. Yeah. I, I see mean, it. Don't call the cat Puck. <laughs> don't use that font. They're your options. You've got two options. <laughs> two ways to fix it. You this. had two options and you failed at both. And it's like very basic stuff. So <laughs> maybe send them over to... <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah, I've, I've become, I think, a little bit pretentious after after school because now I, I if I see like a bad font or just like, I don't know, bad use of spot black or bad uh, book design, I'm just like, oh, <gasps> my God. <laughs> You had options. Yeah. You didn't have to What's do this. What's going on? Where's the hierarchy of design in this cover? <laughs> we know so many funny phrases. I'll go out with my friends now to restaurants and we'll look at the menu and go, the kerning is really subpar on this menu. You think I'm joking, but we actually do that. And then we look at each and other and go... And your friends are like, I want to order that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. But we know how ridiculous it is. It's because we're so immersed in comics all the but time. what a great thing to be so sort of primed that you... Oh, I mean, yeah. it must be horrible. Like, you can't unsee things. But... Oh, completely. But it's great. It, it really, uh, you know, I think one of the big things you learn at 
the Center for Cartoon Studies is how to look at your own work and how to look at your work and both, you know, find a way to be proud of yourself so you don't, you know, crumple it with uh, low self-esteem, but uh, but looking at your work and, and seeing where it could be better and, and all the mechanics of it and knowing how to fix it now. Because yeah, sometimes you look at your work and you don't know what's wrong, absolutely. and now we have, you know, a list of like, well, yeah. it could be this, 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 or this. You've learned to examine critically. And oh, yeah. you're so primed to do it that... When it comes to your own work, you're not going to let yourself off the hook. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm a uh, I'm pretty cruel to myself. <laughs> uh, I, I give myself a hard time, but I think I think uh, a certain amount of that is healthy because Absolutely, it really yeah. pushes you forward, and I think it, it makes me excited always to do the next comic because I I can see what I want to grow on from the last thing, so it always gives me something to do for the next one. And for the next year, do you are you yeah. aware of the structure? I mean, don't give too much away. Yeah, no. So but... no, this is this is a general information. The next year of school is a thesis project. So you spend your first year just like going crazy and drawing lots of comics, and then you spend the next year mostly working on a long form piece. So that's what I'll be doing. Is there a, a possibility you could just like slack off for the whole year and just hand in the end of summer? <laughs> Do they know? Shoot, I, mean, I think they know about it at this point. I know, I know. tell them and then you I, sort of go, just did this over the weekend, guys. Here's the thing, I didn't even tell anybody. I, I didn't want to tell anybody. I don't know why. I just, it, it felt weird because I was working on the book sort of on the side at school and, and my friends found out from Twitter because, right. of course, Avery Hill Publishing had to tweet about they it. They just can't shut up, They can can't they? shut up. What's wrong with these It's people? ridiculous, these Brits. It's, I can't <laughs> handle it. There's also uh, a tremendous array of guests lecturers you get at the... oh yeah of course i can't believe i didn't mention visiting artists yeah every week we get every week every week it's <laughs> it's kind of crazy we, we take it for granted a little bit i think because we're sort of used to like oh well feral dalrymple's here this week i wonder who's here next week <laughs> you know but it's it's a really big deal and you get uh a lot of insight into other creators uh and it's yeah it's really interesting and it's funny it it, it has helped all of us realize how every cartoonist is different Everyone has their own way of doing things. I have never seen two artists that are like in process or in how they feel about their own work. And it's it's great because then, you know, every week there's a chance that this is going to be the creator that you feel a connection to. Right. And that's going to inspire you, you know, to keep making comics. Without picking favorites, but yeah. it sounds like picking favorites. Is there anyone who's, who's resonated with you particularly? You know, uh, oddly enough, he's very different in style, but I found when John Porcelino came to our school, I just... I don't know why. I think I was a little down at the time, and just seeing how he his process, seeing how he thought about his own comics, and his comics are very much from him. I just found it so uh, so inspiring and so relaxing because it, it convinced me that you know, however I make comics, you know, just find some enjoyment in it, and they may look different, but I don't know. It it just really clicked for me. Plus, he was a really nice guy, uh, <laughs> and I really liked the hospital suite. But uh, yeah, yeah John Porcelino, especially just. Just I, having him around just like lifted me. Yeah, it's interesting doing a show. Like I get to talk to a lot of comic creators about how yeah. how they work, and you, you've hit the nail on the head there. And it is something that fascinates me where no one does the same thing. Yeah, it's weird. Everyone has their own way of doing it, and it was great talking to the first episode we did. Um, a, a guy called Cren Abel and he was talking about his process which is very sort of particular and meticulous mm. and assembling lots of layers of, of images to create his, his pictures and uh, he was like I'm pretty sure I'm doing it wrong pretty sure <laughs> it's all wrong but I don't know how else to do it and I was like but you're making great comics so yeah. it is, it's correct and for me doing the show this sort of revelation of like everyone's doing it differently mm. everyone thinks they're doing it wrong 
but everyone's also making great stuff. So it's yeah. it, it's what works for you, isn't it? Which Completely. again, you know, as an education, yeah, what a great thing to learn and have confirmed. And I think it's it's interesting when when I think. Uh, this is how it was for me, and, and it's probably the same for others. When you start making comics, I, I felt like there was this urge to, to you know, get the how to make comic books, to, to, to find out from other artists how they're doing it, because I wanted to find a right way. Because, you know, comics, I think, are an overwhelming thing to start doing. It's, it's because it's so open-ended. It's like you could do whatever you want, really. And so I think there was this search to find the right way to do it. And I think part of the reason I went to the Center for Cartoon Studies was to find the right way to do it. But all, you know, I've realized now is there is, yeah, you're right, there is no right way to do it. And, and you just need to find the right way for you to do it. The way where you can do it and still be sane. Because comics will destroy you. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> that's lesson one. Lesson the, one. What's the uh, Jack Kirby quote in it? Comics will break. Comics your heart. will break your heart. Yeah. I don't even know. I think they're just gonna break my brain and my stomach. My heart's fine. It's pumping. It's just like I feel nauseous. <laughs> <laughs> comics. Remember that Tilly Walden quote? Uh, you know, comics will. Comics break your will give you acid reflux. Comics will break your stomach. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it is. Apart from your studies, what yeah. other creators do you enjoy? I really love uh, Sam Alden, yeah. his work. I Right when I first started making comics, I, I saw his work online and I just, I fell in love with it. And I, I really, I, I love his style and I love his tone. And, and I ended up meeting him at TCAF and he was just a total sweetheart. And he did so. a, a tremendous tweet last year where yeah. now he does incredibly minimal comics and really yeah. smart things. Uh, and there was this thing he did, and it was like, it looks like a sort of Daniel Klaus style clean line, but very sort of meticulous and detailed. Yeah. And he put this picture up, and it was like from like seven years before, and he was like, this is when I was getting comics wrong. Yeah. Like, this is great. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. But, um, but yeah, the stuff he's doing now is, is tremendous. Isn't it? Yeah, I love it. And he's, I find him particularly inspiring because he always seems to, uh, he's not afraid to sort of change it up yeah. and do yeah. new styles and new things. And, and that's what I want to do. Um, I really, I really appreciate that. And then, I mean, I love Eleanor Davis and Emily Carroll. Growing up, was it a very creative background that you had in terms of your family? It was in a way. I think it, it was, it was a funny mix because we were a very sort of serious family when it came to, uh, you know, productivity and work ethic, but, but very creative. My mom worked for HBO and my dad is a musician and, uh, well, he doesn't do that for his living. He's a tech guy by day, but he, he's, he loves music. And my dad's mom, who I'm named after, Tilly, uh, was a painter and, and made beautiful art. And so I grew up seeing her paintings around the house and they had, they said Tilly in the corner. So I used to tell my friends I did that. <laughs> and I knew as I was doing that, that I was a terrible person, but, uh, but a brilliant painter. So. Yeah. Oh, of course. Uh, only, you know, oil paintings, landscapes, that sort of thing by age five. I'm really a prodigy if you didn't know, uh, but yeah. Uh, and but it was a household with sort of art and music around it you. It was, yeah. And, and family members doing it. So it is this sort of encouraging thing where you're like, oh, this is what people do and can do. And I think so. And and I think a lot of it was that, you know, we were the kind of family where if you, you did something, you did it all the way. So uh, like before comics, I was a competitive figure skater and played cello. And, and I did it very seriously. And I think that's why when I started comics... I started it, you know, like, if I'm going to do this, I, I'm going to do it seriously. I'm going to work hard at it. I'm going to get my work out there. I'm, I'm going to do it all the way. Because I, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing for my, in my family was just, you know, don't quit 
and keep working hard. And and that, you know, it's not always fun. But, uh, <laughs> but, but it yeah. pays off. It, it really did pay off. Yeah. I was like a, an angry teen like a, a couple years ago. I'm still a teen. But I was an angrier teen previously. And I was like, man, I worked I worked too hard as a kid. I should have had a childhood or whatever, <laughs> man. You know, I was all angry. And then I'm sitting here now like, no, I'm able to, you know, get up at four in the morning and work on comics. Right, and, right, right. And, you know, and I love it. Because <laughs> figure skating is another one where there tends to be very demanding hours. Isn't it? Oh, yeah. Sort of like very, doing it around school. Very and... demanding. Yeah, I practice before school and after school and go around for competitions and everything. Very competitive. I grew up in a very competitive family. We were all about winning. And so now <laughs> it's weird for comics. It's not It's not really competitive. There's no, like, you've won the gold medal in comics, Tilly, you know? So sometimes it's weird. It's like I, I feel like I need to find a competition to But isn't this great to. because, like, you'll never stop competing. Exactly. Until they give you that gold medal and then you just go, well, exactly. no more comics. Exactly. What's next? <laughs> right, yeah. I really I w- want to read a comic now about an angry teenage competitive figure skater. You know? That... I think I know the person who could <laughs> Coming up from Avery Hill Publishing. <laughs> no, you, you would be, I, uh, I think that might be uh, coming someday. Right. I wouldn't it, say no. Uh, it sounds I've, like a, a I've got a lot of. I've got a lot of stories. Figure <laughs> skating is a bizarre world and very different from comics. <laughs> I have yet to meet another uh, cartoonist who was like a competitive figure skater, so I'm waiting for that day. So you've cornered like that. that market. Yeah. Have to worry oh, it's mine. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta hurry up before the other figure skaters who are my age start realizing <laughs> that they should be start making doing comics. comics. Yeah, exactly. I, I gotta go now. I gotta work fast. So you were born in Jersey. Yeah, I was. Well, I was born in California. Oh right. But I, I wow. was. Yeah. So you sort of. Almost around the dial. Oh, yeah, of... yeah. No, we're, we're kind of a crazy family. I'm a test tube baby and all that. Right, right. So we got all kinds of stories. But, uh, yeah, born in California. And then I lived in Montclair, New Jersey from age 1 to 10. And then we moved to Austin, Texas. Right. So that's that was a little different, I got to say. <laughs> that was a big change. And then I lived in Austin until I was 18 and graduated from high school. And then I moved to Vermont and went to CCS. Austin, again, seems like a incredibly creatively fertile oh, yeah. place for a teenager to sort of grow up. It was. It really was. And there was a lot of art all the time. And and the high school I ended up going to had a fine art program within it. And if I hadn't lived in Austin, I would not have gone to that program. And I, I honestly would not be the artist I am today if I hadn't had uh, the McCallum Fine Arts Program. Uh, because that, you know, it was just, it was incredible. The teachers were world class. And, and on top of that, all my fellow students were amazing artists. So, so it, it pushes was, you it to, totally pushed you. The first day, everyone the open was second, looking we around. We know this, don't we? So, you know, yeah. you, you need to... I'm going to be on top of these guys, and they're pretty good, so... Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. And, of course, here comes the competitive nature in me. It was... And it was great. Uh, and, yeah, Austin... Austin was a really cool city, and Texas is a lot more laid back than New Jersey, so that was that was really good as a kid to have. I felt like I could really relax and, and make art. Yeah, the, the places that you've lived... Yeah. Do sound, as I say, incredibly sort of resonant as places like New Jersey has a very strong identity in terms oh, yeah. of what it is. Yeah, completely. Texas, as we know generally, very strong identity. <laughs> People take Texas seriously about, in about Texas. what it is. And Austin within that, you know, has a very strong identity. The whole keep Austin weird, South oh, yeah. by Southwest. There's a huge pride, I think, you know, the oh, yeah. uh, the legacy of O. Henry. So it does seem like a really sort of rich stew to be surrounded by. But then to go it to was. Vermont again. Yeah. Again, it's something very distinctive, but a specific energy to the place. Yeah, and I think I think that might have something to do with why I am so 
interested in, in backgrounds and specific, you know, my comics having specific places because I got to see how different places could be from one another and how those different places affect you and, and shape the people around you. And so I, I, and now I really like, and, and you know what, what's something I'm really obsessed with is, is having really specific weather in right. comics. And yeah, I think that's yeah, because I went you know, from New Jersey to Texas and, yeah. and the heat I just found shocking right. as a kid. Like this is, this is unbelievably hot. And so... And then back up to Vermont. And then back yeah. up to Vermont, which is really cold. They have really some winters, cold. didn't they? Uh, you know, it, it was a bit of a winter, I have to say. <laughs> there was a little bit of snow that I was in, uh, trapped in a little bit, uh, which may or may not have influenced my book, which say, involves people in trapped in winter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I actually, I, I adore the cold. Right. I, I, anything above, like, 50 degrees, I, I find a little bit oppressive. I, I love... I love the cold. I love the snow. And so, yeah, Vermont Vermont suits me. My thing about the cold is yeah. you can always put on another coat. Exactly. Once you're naked, that's as cool as I can I get. I know. It's... And I'm not allowed to be naked on the streets. They've explained this to me many times. So I'm like, <laughs> let's just have winter and I'll put on another coat. This is fine. My thing is, like, in the heat, I find you, I feel too much. Like, I can feel yeah. my skin and I sweat. In the cold, I feel numb, which probably says a lot about me. And I, I like feeling numb. <laughs> I like feeling totally, like, transparent and kind of cold and empty. Yikes. Wonder, wonder where that comes from. <laughs> it does feel like you made the moves from place to place at really important times as well. Like to move at 10 and then to move at 18, would you have been? Yes. To, yeah. There, there are times you can appreciate the move. If you move yeah. when you're like three, you have vague flashes. But as you say, as a 10-year-old going from Jersey to mm -hmm. Texas, suddenly you're like, this is hot. This is really Yeah, this hot. is different. And, and the people are different. You know, it, it's striking. Uh, they just... They have different kinds of families, like the and the way kids interact with adults is very different in Texas than it is in New Jersey, and and yeah, I I think I maybe just turned eleven because I had finished fifth grade and started middle school in Texas, and middle school, yikes, you know what a time, <laughs> love being a preteen, and so yeah, it, I moved at a really important age, and it definitely like forced me to look around and really soak in my surroundings, which I think is something that has completely stayed with me. And again, appreciating different dynamics within families. Is oh yeah, oh yeah, that's as well. So that's in the book too. Family dynamics. Yeah, yeah, completely. That's interesting. Well, you're making me think about things that I haven't really thought about. This is good. I should do more podcasts <laughs> just so I can figure my life out. <laughs> These are just theories. I don't know. I've only. Uh... I, I I trust you. You're the host. You know all. <laughs> What's next then? I mean, obviously, yeah. a year left at the centre and a thesis to work on. Yeah. Without giving too much away, are you leaning in any particular direction with the thesis? I, you know, people have been asking me that. I, 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 all I do know is I do want to do a long book again because uh, doing the end of summer was just so much fun. And I, I expected long form work to be a lot more difficult than it was. Um, I just, I just loved it. And so I definitely want to do a long book and, you know, I love... I love my Avery Hill publishing guys. They're they're really great. <laughs> they're right, Yeah, they are. I, I give I give Ricky a lot of shit and call, and we call them Slavery Hill Publishing every now and then. I had to put that in the podcast. <laughs> but all jokes aside, they're really great guys and uh, and I'd love to keep having work from them and and so yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna keep making comics and I think what you were mentioning before about how my work is, you know, uh, it varies a lot. So I imagine what I'm gonna do next is gonna look very different from the end of summer. Because now I feel like I've done the whole family in a castle with a large cat 
theme. You don't do like three or four more of those? No, no, I feel like I've done that. Okay. I've done And I've done the castle thing, so I'm especially specific about never doing a comic in the same place. Right. So who knows where my next comic will be. Maybe um, Brazil. I don't know. Maybe a jungle. Maybe Texas. I don't know. But somewhere Maybe somewhere different. an ice rink. Oh, at four o'clock in the morning. Maybe an ice rink at four o'clock in the morning with a <laughs> very, a very, specific a very here, angry teenager. So angry. She's just pissed. She's got up and she's like, "This again with the skating? We did this yesterday." Yeah, and she's a total tomboy, and everyone's like, "Put on your sparkly dress," and you're just like, <laughs> "Fuck this, man! I don't want to do this. I'm not graceful. I draw comics, you know." Oh, listen, I'll tell Avery Hill now, I'm ordering 50 copies of this. All right. I, you know, I like this. We're putting it together. The deal's done. The deal's done. It's done. Ricky's upstairs. We'll tell him when he comes down. <laughs> Ricky, the good news is we've sorted out publishing for the next And the good news so. is you get no say in it. <laughs> Which is probably for the best. That's probably for the best. They're drunk just all the time. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Tilly. Thank you so much. I say best of luck with everything, but yeah. you, you don't need it. This is this is going to be golden, I can tell. Oh, thank you. That's um, very kind. Please uh, come back on the show next time you're in London. You know, Who knows? I Who knows? would love to. And I'll, I'll be uh, like older and wiser, maybe in my 20s at that point, so <laughs> I will just know so much more. You know, you've done the figure skating book. You know, yeah. What's next? That's that? gone. I've peaked. I've become a celebrity <laughs> that's crashed and everything. And I'm, I'm coming back out of the gutter when I talk to you next. Process is part of the Holdfast Network. Go to holdfastnetwork.com for other podcasts you might enjoy.